It's going to be good. Okay, so um, there, there's a book or a letter. Someone say letter. letter. An epistle is another word for it that Paul the Apostle wrote. Uh, Paul started the church in Corinth. And that, that's your homework this week, okay? If you don't know what to read or if you're not reading in the scripture, I want to make it pretty clear for you. Go ahead and get to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and chapter 8 this week. Uh, read that. That's all about marriage and singleness and, and how to navigate that. But uh, Paul, Paul had a number of challenges in, in leading the church in Corinth. And um, he, he always had to write to address some kind of issue that was going on. And typically at the top of the list was relationships. And um, in, 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 in Corinth, you had singles that wanted to be married. You had married people that wanted to be single. You, you had other people who... Uh, were doing things that they had no business doing. And so Paul had to sit some people down from leadership. He had to transition some people out. He, he had to okay for some people to be married and okay for some people to, to leave. And it, it's just all there. And so um, I just encourage you to, to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you about uh, those chapters. But we're going to zone in on two verses to, just to get us started. And um, through all of this, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We'll start at verse 6. He says this. I love it. He says, I say this as a concession, not as a command. So he's saying, I'm speaking from a place of wisdom. So this isn't necessarily purely from God, right? He's saying, I'm, I'm coming from my heart with this one as your pastor, as your leader, um, but it's in the Bible, so it is from God, because the Bible is the word of God. So I just love how God, you know, anyway. So it says this, verse 7. But I wish everyone was single. That's what he's saying. Like, it ain't purely 100% from God. It's like 98% from God is what he's saying. 2% is from me, right? And you're going to see why in a minute. Um, but I wish everyone were single. Okay, just as I am. Yet, each person has a special gift from God. Okay? One kind of another. All right? So each person has a special gift. Okay, so, so simply, if you're taking notes, um, go ahead and jot this thought down. It won't come up on the screen. But God says that singleness is a gift. Singleness is a gift. And then he also says through Paul that marriage is a gift because he says whatever your situation, singleness is a gift from God and marriage is a gift from, from the Lord. And I want to I keep today light. I don't want to really get too deep. I don't want to rub too much today. Um, <clears throat> we'll leave that for next week and the week after and the week after. We just keep building it up. Um, but, but let's just talk about um, Valentine's gift. Your Valentine's gift. So like I said, I, I don't know your situation. I don't know if you're married, single, or in the in-between. It's complicated. I don't know if you're going to get a gift on Tuesday or not. But God got a gift for you right now. Right, right. Whatever your situation, that's your gift. All right. That's, you know. So if you don't get nothing for Valentine, but you're married, your spouse should just say, 
Hey, babe. It's me. You know. Or if you're single, God is like, hey. It's your gift. You know. All right, cool. All right, I want to give us three ways simply just to enjoy the gift of singleness. And then we're going to give you three ways to enjoy the gift of marriage. Okay? Three ways to enjoy the gift of singleness. Number one, I want to encourage you to embrace freedom. (laughs) Now, I I know some of y'all lying. Y'all... Y'all feel differently than what you just expressed. Amen. Now, you know you want to boo. Amen. Stop. All right. Just everyone stay quiet today and we'll get through this. All right. So embrace. So when you embrace something, you bring it in, right? So embrace freedom. Paul says this here. Once again, part of your homework. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 32 He says this here, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. This is just the nature of marriage. Okay, His interests are divided. Right On one end, he really wants to run full for God. He wants to pursue purpose. But on the other end, he has to slow down and lean into his wife. All right, Paul is just stating the reality. Okay? Right, right, right. It says this here. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy. Someone say holy. Holy. In body and spirit. So there's this purity component That's good. to where we're... We're keeping ourselves for the Lord. Mm-hmm. All right? And so there's a, there's a few ways throughout uh, history where people uh, maintain sexual purity. Number one, it was by choice. So people would make vows of purity to God where they would not give themselves to anyone unless they got married. Another way was they were forced. Some people were forced to not marry. And others vowed temporarily until they got married. So some a lifetime, some were forced, some temporary, until they got married. But at any rate, he's saying if you're not married, you're devoted to the Lord, and you, that word holy means to be set apart in your body and in your spirit for God. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. So what he's saying to single people is he's saying embrace freedom. Don't don't rush it. Don't don't itch. Don't, you know, try to try to minimize that that yearn. And then there are other parts of the chapter where he says, if if you're lacking self-control, you need to get married. Because if you're not careful, you can fall into sin because of lust. But in order to enjoy singleness, you just got to wake up and thank God for the fact that you're free. And so, and so here it is. You're free. A couple thoughts here. You're free from the concerns of others. Right? You wake up and you want toast and eggs. Right? You, you fix your toast and eggs. Right? 
You, you want to go to the gym. You want to go to the pool. You, you want to hop on a plane. You, go and do your thing. But you wake up and there's someone next to you. <laughs> and some of y'all are like, I want no problems. <laughs> no more commentary on that. But you know what I mean? Like, if, you know, they may want Frosted Flakes or something. But he's saying, like, you're concerned, you know, and you can come and go as you please. And, and I love this text. You can say yes to God without hindrance. You can say yes to your dreams. And you just, you get up and go. So, number one, embrace freedom. Someone say embrace freedom. Embrace. All right. Number two, all right, make the best of your time. Make the best use of your time. I was, I was thinking about uh, some things that you can accomplish in a year when you're not distracted, when you're not hindered, when, when you're not in a relationship. So just some things that if you would just lean in and be intentional with your time for 12 months. All right, all right. So I wrote a little list here. All right, you can read 12 books, yep. right? That's a book a month. You can travel somewhere new. Without having to run it through or by anybody. All right. You can earn college credits. You can work your way towards that master's. Towards that, that PhD. Towards that degree. Uh, you can get in shape. Right. Because you know when you're married. Sometimes your partner. If they're not on the same track. They can slow your, slow your dreams down. They can, they can slow down and minimize your potential. But when you're single. You have this gift of time. Someone say time. time. You, you have this gift of time. And I, I love this one. It, within a year, you can go from guests to becoming a team leader at Highlight Church. Right? You can see your potential grow from just filling a seat to now you're influencing people. Because, and that's what Paul is talking about. You can say yes to the kingdom. You can say yes to God. You can be in a completely better place in 12 months. Based on how you value and use your time. Psalm 90 says this, verse 12. Teach us to use wisely all the time we have. In other words, teach us to number our days. Teach us to use that time, that time wisely. I was having a talk with my son last night. And I said, let's do an exercise. Because he, he, he read a book on optimism. And, and how in life... Um, vast majority of people settle and they never fully fulfill their potential and so he's reading this book and I had him unpack some thoughts and I said great okay and so he was just saying that the book is about even when you hit hard times you got to stay positive and you got to stay intentional about every day of your life every hour of your life and so I said, you want to be in the MLB one day, right? That's one of your dreams, okay? And I said, a lot of people think that their purpose is to become a doctor or an MLB player or to become something. They think, they think that purpose is future, mm. right? So if that's your purpose, right, right, I said, well, let's sit down for the next 60 seconds and let's see if the L.A. Dodgers call us and say we want to sign Jay-Z O'Peak to a multi-million dollar deal. And so we sat in silence for 60 seconds and Judah count down from 30 all the way down to 30. And so we checked our phones and the Dodgers hadn't called. 
right? Because we often live under this illusion that once I get there, right, like I'm, I'm into my purpose, right? Or once I get them, I'm fulfilled or I'm complete, right? But let me, can I just help you out real quick? Uh, purpose is present. All right. Purpose is present, my single people. It's not when you get him or when you get her. Because you may never. And so you got this piece of you in the future that God may not intend for you. And the question now becomes, is are you clear about when and what purpose is? All right. And so I was telling my, my son that purpose is what is in your hands right now. Purpose is present. So that eight to five is your purpose. Come on now. Your health is your purpose. Your current income is your purpose. And if you would use your time, someone say time. time. If you understand the value of time, you could work what's in your hands to improve the quality of your life. Right? So in order to enjoy your singleness, you don't have to wait until Robin Hood comes or, or you know, Prince Charming comes. You don't have to wait until they come. You just get up every morning and, and you have a plan and, and you, you, you have passion and you just you kill it. Just just kill life. Kill life. Like you're waking up, you're working out, you're studying, you're going to work, you're resting, you're eating well. You have every hour of your day planned out and you're not distracted by this sense of like, man, I'm going to run into somebody. You're not even worried about that. You're just you're just making best use of your time. And how do you do this practically, Pastor? Well, you plan every hour of your day. Go ahead and write that down. We got to learn to value our time. When God created Adam, he was single. And Adam had his days planned out. He didn't just wake up and was like, oh, I'm so lonely. As a matter of fact, God, you know, Adam didn't even say, I'm lonely. Adam wasn't discontent with his status. It was God who said it was not good. But Adam never said, like, I'm just so lonely. Because he was so focused on, right, on, on, his, on his purpose. He was, he was focused on where he was. Matter of fact, I, I can relate to that story. When, um, when I came to Jesus and I gave my heart to Jesus because I was living in a very sinful lifestyle. I was sleeping around. I was dishonoring the word of God. I was having sex with multiple girls, multiple women. So when I came to Christ, the Holy Spirit said, the first thing that I need you to do is get rid of all these relationships. And that was a scary thing for someone who had been sexually involved since 15 years old. Very scary thing. Because I never knew what it meant to be alone. Right? But God was trying to show me that you don't need that. That's going to destroy your life. All you need is me. Right? So, 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 so I need you to get rid of these girlfriends. And I need you to focus in on me. And that set me off on a track of six years of waiting on the Lord. Of being intentional with my time. And so I remember the day where I met my wife. It was as a result of being intentional with my time. Right? I was, so I, I, I worked. I went home. I cleaned the house. And I said, okay, mom, I'm about to go to Barnes and Nobles and study for my MCAT. And I was doing that every single day. Focused on Jesus and my future. And before you know it. All the seats are filled in Barnes & Noble. Only one seat at my table 
And here comes my future wife. Because singleness is not a calling. Singleness is a focus. Right? Right? It's, it's a focus. It's a focus, right? You're not called to singleness. You're called to focus. And so make the best use of your time. Number three, become the best you. That's how you enjoy your singleness. Become the best you. You got the green light. What are you waiting on? Amen. You, you, you got everything you need to become the best you. Now, Jesus was single all of his life. Okay, lean into this, okay? And, and Jesus' life was the perfect model of fulfilled potential and purpose. He lacked no good thing. Perfect model of fulfilled potential. And it says this here. It says Luke 2, 52. Jesus grew. Someone say grew. grew. All right, catch this here. In wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. That's right. right? So Jesus was constantly growing. He was, he was a single man all of his life. And he was constantly growing. So he grew in four areas of his life. Hear me out here, single people. Even if you're married, you got to continue to grow. Okay. He grew in these four areas. Okay. The Bible just says he grew mentally. You see that? That's right. He grew in stature. That means physically. Right? So, so he grew in his knowledge base. He never stopped learning. He never stopped studying. Right? He never stopped searching. He grew in his stature, so he ate well. He, he had a regimen, right? Some kind of exercise regimen. He grew spiritually with God in his relationship with God, and he grew socially. So he, he grew in his social connections, right? And, and I, like to, I like to propose that if you're single, those are the areas where you're called to grow. Come on. Mentally, physically, spiritually, and socially. And so here's the question you must ask yourself every single day if you're going to enjoy your singleness. Ask yourself this question. Am I determined to grow today? Good. Come on, Pastor. Am I determined to grow today? Am I determined? Because those who grow get the most out of life. Come on. The, those who grow get the most out of life. So let's go over to the gift of marriage. Someone say marriage. 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 Okay, okay, go ahead and write these things down. Okay, marriage is a covenant between a man and a woman under God. Marriage is a covenant, so it's, it's, it's not a contract. It's based on mutual benefit. Okay, marriage is a covenant. It's based on mutual benefit. Contracts are based on a lack of trust. This is why you signed a contract, because if that person does you wrong, you can get your money or get your property or whatever. But a covenant is based on mutual benefit. Okay. And also understand this. If you're taking notes, that marriage was the first institution established in the world. It's the first institution that God established. God established three institutions. Okay. Marriage, government and the church. And the one that the devil is always attacking the hardest is marriage. All right, so this is the deal. Societies go where marriages go. So if you want to see where a society is going, look at the state of marriages. 
Okay? Think back in the 60s, there were 20% of households were single parent. Think now we're up with something we're touching 60%. That is a spiritual attack of Satan. Okay? So marriage is vital. Right, So if America wants to get stronger, if America wants to get its moral back strong, we have to strengthen the marriages. We have to, we have to strengthen the homes. If not, we're going to lose this nation. We're on that slow road to losing this nation. Right, but marriages must be strong and they must honor God. So how do I, first way to enjoy my marriage. Okay, number one, make it a habit to acknowledge the good. How do I enjoy my marriage? I want to make it a habit to acknowledge the good in my spouse. All right. I've been to a few funerals in my life. Um, I'm sure many of us have. If you live for any period, you're going to go, go, you know, go to some funerals. Um, thank God. YouTube is crazy because I've, I've seen YouTube videos lately of people like, you know, the, the, the relative is, is lying. They're resting. Their body is resting. And I've seen some crazy videos lately of people saying some bad things. Like, it's just getting terrible. Thank God I've never been a part of a funeral where someone dishonored the dead, right? But it's getting ratchet out there. But, but it's getting crazy. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, I want to click X. I got to get off this video. This is, this is terrible. But, but, but typically in funerals, we celebrate the good, right? We, we talk about the great things, their accomplishments, their accolades, how amazing they were. We talk about all the good. My question is, is why don't we do that now in our marriages? Why don't we start to focus in now? So if he, ladies, if he does something small and it's good, acknowledge it. Yeah. If he does something big, acknowledge it. Yeah. Tell him, baby, that was a good job. You did phenomenal. Tell her that was great. You did phenomenal. I appreciate you. Thank you for cooking. Thank you for ironing. Thank you for cleaning up. You, you, we got to start to acknowledge and make it a habit of acknowledging the good, good more than the bad. Because as people, we tend to focus on the bad a lot. Not understanding that the enemy is slowly unraveling the marriage. So we need to make we need to start this week. If he changed the tire, celebrate him. If he if he cleaned the house, celebrate him. If she folded the clothes, make her know that you appreciate her. Okay, Proverbs 18 says this: a man's greatest treasure is his wife. She is a gift from the Lord. A man's greatest treasure is his wife. She is a gift from the Lord. I just want to stop and take a praise break. Can we go ahead and put our hands together and thank God for our spouses? Come on, everyone. Thank God for your spouse. You can, don't patty cake your spouse. Thank God for your spouse. They're a gift from the Lord. And, 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 and if you don't appreciate something, you will lose it. That's just simple. You, if you don't appreciate your church, you will lose it. If you don't appreciate your job, you will lose it. If you don't appreciate your spouse, you will lose it. If you don't appreciate your children, you will lose them. So in order to enjoy your marriage, the first step is we need to start acknowledging the good. There's a reason you fell in love with them. There's a reason they made you laugh. There's a reason you're attracted to them. But we got to begin to acknowledge the good because familiarity is a sucker, right? The only difference between now and when you first met them is that you've become familiar with them. You have to guard the sanctity of what God has put together. They're still special. They're still sent from the Lord. They're still a gift from God to you. Can we celebrate our spouses one more 
Number two, process and share your feelings. Process and share your feelings. This is how you enjoy marriage. So for my single people, giving you some pro tips. Process and share your feelings. Okay. So Pastor Kyra and I, we're we're about to uh, be 10 years married in November. Okay. But but hold on. Thank you for that. Okay. That's good. But we, for nine years, um, we didn't know how emotionally torn we were and broken. Uh, we, we didn't know how much the past had crept into our marriage, yeah. right? Through the hard work of the church and raising kids and, 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 and the grind. We didn't know. But we, we met some bumps in the road at the end of last year to the point where we didn't know if our marriage was going to make it into 2023. And we would have had to stand before the church and, and say, hey, this ain't working out. And it's a heartbreaker. It's a heartbreaker for us. It's a heartbreaker for kids. heartbreaker for the church. So, so we met a lot of rub, simply put, because we lacked emotional health. And we hadn't created a safe culture in our home to share our feelings. Someone say feelings. feelings. To share our feelings. And it, it's important that men, men, hear me out. It's important that you feel and it's important that you share what you're feeling. This is more natural for women, but in order for a marriage to move forward, men have to feel that safety from their wives in order to share some things. Because a lot of times we feel embarrassed, we're insecure, we don't want to share about our past. But when we went and got some counseling, and we were three days, almost 24 hours of just pure counseling. I mean, tears out the wazoo. We're, we're, we're healing. I told my wife at the end of that counseling session, I said, babe, I have not looked in your eyes this much since the day we got married. I've looked in your eyes more over the past three days than the first nine years of our marriage. And I told her it's because now we're finally, after nine years, connecting. And the healing that took place. I, I mean, I was telling her things that she was surprised. Like, what? You, you feel that way? Yeah. You, you're, go, you're going through that? Yeah. yeah, because I mask it. And I have to be tough and I have to be invincible and I have to win because I'm a pastor and I'm carrying the world. And I got these two boys and I'm a black man and no one supported us and no one cares. Uh, I got it. Ah. And so I shared all these things. and She was like, oh, my God, I never knew it. If you're married, that's going on in your marriage right now. And in order to enjoy it. You're going to have to start to process yes. and share your feelings. So, so, so here it is. You yeah. Write these down. you got to process them. You have to share them. Mm-hmm. You have to actively listen. When, when, it's, when it's their time to speak, you listen. You're not trying to solve it. You, you're not trying to have the answer. You don't even say sorry. You just listen. And what that's slowly doing in your home is is creating a safe space. And when you don't have an answer, the Holy Spirit, it's it's a powerful thing. The Holy Spirit starts to work on your heart and their heart. 
Because a large part of the healing is just them being able to share. And a large part of you figuring out what you can do for them is just you listening. And not saying, baby, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. (laughs) Shut up. Because you is going to do it again. You are. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. Even after all them days of counseling, I'm still doing some things. But, but we're, we're talking through it. And, and what that does when you can process and share is you gain a better understanding and you can navigate conflict better. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a grace. And I've come to find this out that the healthier the emotional connection, the better the physical connection. Absolutely. The healthier the, the emotional connection, the better the sex. The more intimate, the more passionate. The sex. I'm doing that on purpose. I felt that better. She's like, Sando. Receive that blessing. I got to keep going. I got one more point. Jason, come close me out. The, the more peace in the home, I'm telling you, you're not walking on eggshells because we're, we're clear. All right, number three. Plan for the future and build legacy. This is how you enjoy your marriage. Plan for the future and build legacy. Proverbs 29, 18 says this. Where there is no vision, the people, pull it up for us, please. Proverbs 20, where there is no vision, the people perish. All right, so here it is. Where there is no vision, the marriage will perish. A marriage needs vision. And I believe that, that the the, the primary player in vision in the home is the male. Men, we got to get into the presence of God. We got to pray and we got to ask the Lord, where's this marriage going? Right. right? Women can have vision, but I think men should be the starters Good. and men should be leading the way in where the home is going. All right. So where are we going? Go ahead and write that down. Where is this marriage going? All right, you got to have vision. You got to plan for the future. And so, here are three ways to practically build out our layout vision. Okay, write these down as we close out. Okay, um, number one, talk it out. Talk, talk out that dream. Talk out that dream. Number two, write it out. Every January, we have an annual vision sit down. We talk it out. What's on your heart? This is what's on my heart. These are some things I want to do. These are some things you want to do. Let's talk it out. Let's write it out. And then over the year, we're going to work it out. We're going to work towards it. We're going to work it out. Because we're we're going to be at health or wealth or ownership. We're going to work that out. Because we're going somewhere. A marriage that doesn't have vision will not last. Right? We, where are we going? All right. And then build legacy. Someone say legacy. legacy. Build legacy. As Christians, we should have a generational blessing mentality. Right? We should be conduits of blessing. And that should pass on to our kids, our nieces, and our nephews. Right? It says this. Good people will have wealth to leave to their grandchildren. Good people will have wealth to leave to their grandchildren. All right, so, so legacy means to put something aside for the next generation. 
So we, we want to put not just money, but we want to we pass down our faith. We want to pass our values down. Yeah, we want to pass our love for God down. Right? You got to think legacy when you're married. Because it's always going to keep the marriage moving forward. That's why marriages get stuck because they're not thinking future. They're not thinking about the kids. They're not thinking about their grandkids. They're not thinking about their great grandkids. They get stuck because they're not, they're not legacy minded. You got to be legacy minded because God has a plan beyond your marriage. God has a generation beyond you that he wants to use you to bless them. And so, I don't know, I, I just want to be grandpa, right? Like, come to grandpa's big house. Big house. I'm serious. Come to grandpa's big house, right? Come to my mom's, dad's house for Christmas, Thanksgiving, when you need rest, when you need a refuge, when you get in trouble. You can always know you can run to mom and grandpa. We're going to pray for you. We're going to feed you. We're going to give you some time to get back on your feet. But we're thinking legacy. We're thinking wealth. That's right. We're thinking power. We're thinking, we're thinking the glory of God in our home. Come on. Marriages have to be centered on that. Yeah. And the reason why is because it all points to God's goodness. And that, that, that's the purpose of singleness. Let, let, me, let me encourage you with this. People ought to see the glory of God on your life. In your singleness. They ought to see the glory of God on your marriage. Because it also reflects the love of God for them. When they see good marriage and good singleness, people who don't know Jesus have hope. So let's learn to enjoy our singleness. Let's become our, our best selves. Let's, let's maximize our time. Let's, let's embrace our freedom, right? Let, let's enjoy our marriages. Let's celebrate the good in our spouses. And let's build legacy. And, 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 and let's share our feelings so that the goodness of God could flow through us into the world so that more people would know Jesus Christ. Can we put our hands together for the word of God today?